It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We missed an assignment, first shift of the game. Um, McKinnon flies down, which he can do. Um, scores a goal, and it's all of a sudden we're like, oh, geez, you know, <laughs> he's really fast. Well, wasn't that fast in the first period and or the third. Um, you know, we made a mistake, but uh, and then we really got back on our heels, and uh, we didn't we didn't play um, the aggressive game, the the, the push, the pace, the um, in their face game. Hockey! Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and uh, co-host and executive producer Declan Goff. Joining you, you heard from uh, Wildhead coach Dean Everson talking about Monday night's loss, 5-4 to the Colorado Avalanche. And Dex, I'd like to start off by saying this, Okay. One is, I think we have both established that we are are pretty high on where the wild is going right now. Yeah. So, so we are. This is not a this is not a year ago or two years back where it seemed like this team was rudderless. This team definitely has a direction. But, all right. So last night they play the Abs, who beat them by a combined score two weeks ago when they played in Colorado of eleven to one, and the Avalanche are. Flat out the superior team right now. Like they've got skill position after skill position. Kale McCarr, McKinnon, uh, that top line is fantastic. Um, but I felt like the Wild, and I don't, I'm not surprised by this. I felt like the Wild's um, takeaway from last night's game was, well, if we had just played a better second period, you know, we played a good first period and led one zip, and and they did play a good first half of the first. Uh, but then they got a little bit, I thought, lackadaisical in the second half after Ryan Hartman scored. And the third period, they b- became their old furious rallies and scored three goals to Colorado's one to lose 5-4. to four. Um, The Wilds take away what they tried to tell you was, if we had just applied ourselves, we can win that, that game. True or not, here's my takeaway. Last night's game was a, a instructive game to me because the reality is, in the middle period last night at the X in front of 3,000 fans was not that the Wild didn't play well. That's beside the point, in my opinion. The reality is Colorado said, bleep you, we are going to come out and for a period show you our best. And the Wild's not there yet. And there's nothing wrong with that. Eventually, hopefully, they can get there. But I really think the story of last night's game was, and it started... 18 seconds into the second period, that McKinnon goal on the stretch pass from Samuel Gerrard was incredible. Like, he was shot out of a bleeping rocket, Declan. That is who the Avalanche can be. And if they choose to play like they did in the middle period of the game, 
you're not going to beat them. And I don't and you can blame yourself and kick yourself and say we should have slowed them down. We should have got in their face. But the reality is they're where you hope to be and that's my that's the lesson that I took away from that game. 100%. They're a fun team to watch, man. I've been saying Ooh, that for years. You're right. Um, you know, I I think we're getting over the fact of those those previous Avalanche teams that the Wild feuded with, a lot of Wild fans, you know, sometimes picked picked on, and you know, I get that. Landeskog's a pest, but I personally love him. McKinnon's worth the price of admission. Kale McCarr is one of the best defensemen in the league. You know, I we, we were talking on Mackie and Judd earlier this afternoon that you know I I'm still suspect on Grubauer. He's playing well right now, so I'm not disputing the fact that he's not the good goalie and he's not the right guy for their team. But I do think it's very volatile where he's at. And if he starts, if his play, either number one, if an injury happens or if his play goes south, that team is in significant trouble because um, everything else on that team is ready to rock. Like everything, forwards, defensemen, they they are ready to go. Um, yeah, you want to be them. You want to be them. You also, you know, you want to figure out situations where you can draft Landeskog and tra- can draft McKinnon. And you can trade Matt Duchesne and still not be, you know, absolutely shipwrecked for it. Find Cal McC- I mean, for God's sakes, you got to give the Avalanche credit. They, yes. they, they have found building blocks that are going to be transformational over the last 10 years. Like over the last 10 drafts, you can go back and, and those three players alone, obviously, I believe McCarr, I don't know if he was a first round pick. I know he signed out of college, but those three guys are building blocks that any franchise would love to have. You would, you should aspire to be the abs. You should want to hunt. That should be the ceiling. I don't think they are going to have a stranglehold because number one, they, they haven't won a cup in you know 20 years, but I don't know if they're going to have the stranglehold that Chicago did. Um, where they won three cups in six years, but they they are very similar judges Chicago in the fact where they can kind of be a little lackadaisical at sometimes their regular season success might not indicate that they are one of the best teams just by just by a view of points and wins. Yep. But when they are on and when they when they know to turn turn the switch, yep. they are as good as anyone in the league. And I think that's the biggest difference absolutely um, between the Wild and Colorado. And and I would say that the takeaway that I had from last night's game was more this one. The the abs, to your point, sort of come and go at times. Like when they're good, they're great. They sort of fall asleep at times. And I thought after they got what was at the time a comfortable 4-1 lead after two periods on Monday night, I felt like they sort of slacked off in the third a bit. Sure. And so the one thing that, that Everson talked about and this is where the Wild's not there yet, and and I don't take a lot of consolation from this because I don't think it's where they're going, is he talked about the sort of, well, if you know, if we had been in their faces for the entire game, right? Like if we had confronted them, and not, not to fight them, but if we had confronted them and bothered them and slowed McKinnon, um, and that's all well and good, and I understand what he's saying, but the reality, I think, in, in this league now since it's not 1985, the reality in this league now, Dex, is is that you want to take your building blocks and try and match them eventually. And the important thing is the Wild has some, not all, not even close, but the Wild has some of those guys now. So, um, th- so this is not a, well, Parisi's my first line wing, and man, does he play hard, and he can get in McKinnon's face or something. No, this is a Kaprizov, Fiala, we have building blocks, but I don't want to hear ultimately we beat the Avs by slowing them down. Because I think the reality is if you're going to build a Stanley Cup type team now and it's a different era of hockey, you're going to do it by saying, no, we flat out beat them. 
Like yeah. we like we didn't just slow them down, but we had the parts to beat them. And that and that's where I feel like the Wilds trying to climb to. They're not there, but at least I feel like they're going up. And it's not a well, they're pretty much tapped out. No, to me they're just at the at the start of this process. I told you the first time these two teams met up this year that if if you're going to get in a track meet with Colorado, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. With the way you're and that's that's still the case. That point still stands. The evidence is right in front of us. We just watched it yesterday. Yep. Um if you want to get in a track meet with Colorado, you will lose. That being said, I I I understand you, you, we shouldn't be like celebrating like we're going to slow them down. That's how we're going to win. Right. But at the same time, out that same breath, that is that is how you're going to have to beat the Colorado Avalanche with the current construction right. of this year's Wild. And I don't think you're getting past them. No, I don't think so. And either. I'm not even worried about that right, right. now. And and to the point again, like this is where they. Are, I mean, they're loaded. I didn't even mention Rantanen. Rantanen's insane. Kadri's really good. I, like, they have centers. They have wings. They have defense. Yeah, Grubauer is playing lights out right now. He's and he's been, been hurt. Yep. He's been hurt. I mean, you you are correct. Playoff wise. You cannot go into the playoffs with just him. I, you're, they're going to get someone. You're they're, right about that. They're going to trade for someone in the back end that is just insurance. It's not necessarily he's going to get be getting starts in the playoffs, but he's an insurance. But policy. he can start. Yes, correct. He he's a he's a solid goalie. He's a solid no, goalie. No, but I'm, I'm but I'm saying your point is right. Yeah, I think before the deadline comes on Monday, they're going to get a goaltender who's probably not great, mm-hmm. but but can start. Sure, like they don't have that guy now. And you can't go into the playoffs and expect to win a cup with Grubauer because he's been hurt too much. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and the Wild are not going to be in a situation where they, they are probably not going to be trading big assets. I think a trade could come, but I think it's supplemental. I think it's a small trade. I don't think it's yeah. something where it's going to mortgage the farm. I disagree kind of a little bit on the philosophy of that, but I understand it. Um, I thought it, there was a fascinating piece, piece by, I believe it was Pierre Lebrun, talking to Bill Guerin about his experience as a player and as an executive at the trade deadline, how when Bill went to the Sharks, I believe in 2007, it was just disastrous. It was, it was a bad situation for him. The Sharks were basically a Stanley Cup team. He felt he didn't live up to that pressure. And then when he goes to the Islanders, and he gets traded to Pittsburgh and goes wins a cup, wins a cup with Crosby and Malkin. He said it was, it was so insane how two polar opposites just in two different years, that situation looked like because the Sharks were Sharks were good in 07. I mean, Sharks were a, a team that could have threatened to, to win a cup in 2007. And when he was approached by the Islanders, uh, if he wanted to go to Pittsburgh, he thought, you know what? I'm 37. I know how much I only have a few years left. The Islanders at the time were, you know, basically a dumpster fire too. I'll go. I'll go hang out with Sydney. And then, yeah, I mean, hanging out with Crosby and Malkin and those guys. It's a little different of a situation. Absolutely. At the same time, that's great. Both those teams in the Penguins and the Sharks were two teams that were ready to win a cup that Bill Guerin was tested with different expectations a little bit. Like the Sharks were expecting Guerin to be this big power scoring winger. Yes. And Guerin's more of a supplemental person in Pittsburgh. And he talked about that. that I, if you haven't read it, go read it. I believe it was published um, last weekend. But it's fascinating because also you hear what Bill Guerin is saying about. Well, when I went to Pittsburgh, I was more of a room guy. I wasn't focused on scoring goals. I wasn't focused on getting points. I was there for the room. And he, uh, I think he identifies that more than anyone. That's the Ian Cole move. That's what he thinks of Marcus Foligno. Benino. Benino, same thing. Yep. Yep. That it, not to go off on a side tangent there, but it is a fascinating piece because he obviously now has been there on both sides as a player and as an executive. Interesting. Yeah. And, and by the way, just pure talent wise. Okay. So and and there there are things that in this sport obviously as you just discussed go way beyond pure talent. If we're talking pure talent and application of skills, the Avs 
are, in my opinion, easily the best team in the West. Yeah. Like, the Golden Knights are a very nice team, but if the Avs apply themselves. But the difference is guys like Mark Stone, who is wired differently and who's really good. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm I'm not guaranteeing – if the Avs play, play the Knights in the playoffs, which would be great fun, I'm not guaranteeing an Avs win. But I am saying if the Avs come out and absolutely do what, what they did in the second period last night, they are damn hard to beat. If they get goaltending and McCarr and Gerard's turned into a def- – he's turned into a hell of a player. Uh, and that first line and the second line is good and sod. So in my opinion, talent-wise, Colorado, easily the best team in the West. The issue is can they sustain it through a playoff run? Can – McKinnon seems to get frustrated at times when things go go wrong. So that's the X factor. Um, but let's go. So let's go to your point. Where is your assessment? Because I'm very comfortable personally with where the Wild is at right now, which is a maturing, improving team. Uh, the culture is being changed as we speak. Like they're not there yet culture wise, but they're on, they're on the right path, which for a long time they weren't. So as we talk about this right now with, with the playoffs, what, about 20 games away or so? Mm-hmm. All right. What is your opinion of where this team is at, and what are your expectations for this team in 2021? In two, as in for this year, yes, right? Not, like not right now with this year. team, which I think we're yep. all enthusiastic about. Yep. I, I think, number one, it's a playoff team. They're basically a lock to make the playoffs. It would have to be a disastrous stretch from now to the end of the year for them not to be in the postseason. Agreed. So they're going to be in the postseason. It's now of who you're going to draw. It's probably going to be Vegas if you secure the third spot. Um, the Blues, again, I, I just think the Blues are suspect. I, I think they're a nice team. They're out of a playoff spot and, right now, and they're falling fast. They, yeah. they lost, what, six? They gave up six goals, I think, to Vegas last night. Yeah, Bennington's on Monday. a disaster. Um, something's Their wrong there. The backup goaltender's not great. Mm-hmm. Who so, I, I believe his name is, he was expected to be pretty strong, and he has not had a great year. Yeah, so here, here's where I'm at. I, I think... I would like the Wild to make some type of move that addresses a center. And I'm not asking for Eichel. I'm not asking for Dubois-Line. I'm asking for someone out there. And I don't care if it's a if it's a rental. I don't care if it's someone with a bad contract that, like, you just want to— you're not going to have to give up significant assets if you do that, right? You're not going to have to give up a first-round pick to get someone big. Cap problems, though. you gotta you got to fit that guy within your cap I think, system. And, and with him playing better, and I know I've been on on this train the entire season, but with Johansson playing better, that that that's the kind of trait you would swap Johansson yep. for someone else's center who's maybe a little buried, and maybe you can think helps your team. Um, I think it's more likely that yeah, it's a salary trade, and also at the same time, if it can make you better down the middle, you have to do that. I I cannot watch Victor Rask hold back the team anymore, especially right. with Kev- Fiala was trying so hard last night, and it's not a coincidence. When you're looking at a shot chart, and, and this is just absolutely glorious, yep. taking a look at this from the game on, on look at that. Colorado's on the left, the <laughs> Wild are on the right. I mean, that is pure domination. Look at where all, all the shots yeah. came from. And guess who had a oh great game last night and lost? Cam Talbot. Right. Cam, yeah, Cam, Cam Talbot made some great no, saves no, last night. Ta- uh, the pie chart of blame in yesterday's loss, 0% falls on the goaltender. Dubnik we, gives up a nine spot last night. Yeah, and, and when you allow four goals, theoretically speaking, you had, you had a pretty bad night, right? But yep. at the same time, no, that was not on Talbot. And and just look, I mean, th- th- this is what Colorado can do. They can, they have players that, that are on a completely different level wow. than you are. That's incredible. And, and, and yeah, the shot chart is honestly amazing, not to de- deteriorate to the point of where they're at in the trade deadline. 
I, I think if you're, if they're going to do something, I would. I just I'm so curious on Sam Bennett. Are they are are they is Calgary well, just holding the fort down that they will need a first round pick back? So so that's really weird. Sutter came in and got was was it four wins pretty quick? They, they got a, yeah classic hockey. They yeah, made the change exactly yeah. right and yep. typical typical sports uh, got hot. They have gone ice cold now. Here's the interesting thing because it's going to either because. Sutter got a three-year contract, I believe. So this is no short-term fix. Um, the interesting thing about this is Bennett's played more. He's actually playing more. He's not doing a lot more statistically. But there is a there is a fly in the ointment here, which mm-hmm. becomes very intriguing for somebody. Johnny Goudreau's out of there. He is basically checked out. He he was about to what what was the question Sutter got? Was it last weekend? about Goudreau was about to play like in his 500th game or something. Yeah, 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 I think it was, okay? And so on the Zoom call, pregame, somebody just sets Sutter up with, uh, you know, Johnny's about to play in his 500th game. Can you talk, you know, big milestone, right? Sutter's response in typical Daryl fashion was, God. I hope he shows more enthusiasm than he did in <laughs> 499. And it was like, oh, my God. And and it was one of those things that read, it read bad decks. It yeah. sounded worse. Um, I I was listening to a program yesterday on satellite where they were talking about the fact that the last game, this person to watch uh, Goudreau play for the Flames, he was totally checked out. He's either going to be traded by Monday or he's gone this summer. He is not coming back there. So he's like out of there, which is an intriguing center to be traded. Now, he's not... He worries me in the playoffs because he gets abused. He gets just abused in the springtime. But he definitely has skills. But, I mean, there are going to be guys out there. There's definitely going to be guys out there. And I don't know if they're going to be moved by Monday or the summer. But if we're talking about options at a position at which the Wild desperately needs at least one guy, that's an option. Two guys I'm, I'm curious on. Yep. Um, with the Kings, Alex Iafalo. He's actually a Minnesota kid, went to UMD. 27-year-old, he'll be a UFA this year, but he, he's been a nice player for them the last few years. Um, he's someone with the Kings. I mean, the Kings are probably a year away and, and probably a significant move away from also being very good. Um, I think they're a lot better than we all thought they were, and I, I think uh, they're not, you know, they might contend for a playoff spot at the last one of, of the division this year, but I think they are with their prospect pool, with their goaltending, with Quick, I don't know, at, at the back end of his career, but they still seem to have stuff figured out there with Peterson. I think the Kings have something brewing there. Okay. And I'm curious if Ayafalo as a rental could be someone that they that they intrigue on. He's got nine goals this year. He scored double digits the last two years. He's a second line center. He's a second line center. Mm-hmm. If if you plug him in, he might be your first line center, but on this on this team, excuse me. But I'm curious on him. And another guy who I've kicked the tires on, this was last year when I took so much heat for this trade, but now I think it's actually more doable, um, is Dylan Strom in Chicago. Uh, I think is another guy. Chicago, same thing. They're they're in the playoff spot. They're in the mix there. They could probably give a team fits, but also they're in salary cap hell. How are they going to pay Strom? Eventually, he's under deal uh, under contract for one more year after this season. I think those are two dudes who you probably won't have to give up a first round pick to get. You might have to give up. Um, you might have, like I said, you might have to match a player for player and then a low tier prospect or or a mid round pick. I'd be curious on those two dudes. That I would do. I think I think I'm not giving up any of my real prospects. Yeah, I, I'm not giving up any legitimate prospect or first round pick for these two guys. I wouldn't think I would do that. Um, but I'd be very curious because well, I, I think Strom and Iafalo plug and play right away as basically a top six center that you don't have. 
I think a very fair question that if you are Garen, you probably are asking yourself right now is, does a trade for a potential player like you just mentioned, does that put us in a position, best case, to get past the abs? And my response is probably not. So I'd like to get a player. If you're going to get a player, I'd like to get a guy who, one, I could keep, and two, that I'm not going to give up anything that borders on like a boldy, a top prospect, a first-round pick. If I could go mid-round pick, lower-tier prospect, I'll certainly discuss that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't – I don't see – if you get the Golden Knights in the first round, which I think, as you mentioned, we very we might see, I think you can get past them. I don't think – I think you can too. You yeah. wouldn't be favored, but I think you could, especially if Talbot plays like Cam has played against them of late in, what, the two one-goal week uh, wins in – Vegas last weekend. So I think you could get past them. Colorado's going to be damn tough, but I'm with you in in I think the one thing that we're in lockstep and this has come up on the show a few times, but I think the one area where we just agree completely is my one incentive to get a center who can make some plays is to help Kevin Fiala. And we, we've talked about this a ton, so I don't want, want to belabor the point, but I do want to belabor the fact that I I think Kevin Fiala is working his butt off. He gets frustrated and he gets mad, and I totally get that, Dex. But he's working his ass off. And, you know, we've talked about this as well. He's not Kaprizov. He's just not, and that's fine. But I see him out there, and it's midnight for Victor Rask. Like, the slipper's gone, dude. He's not—you could scratch him, and I wouldn't care. Um, I, they, they play him like he does. I mean, last night with, with, um, Parisi out still and Zuccarello missing a second consecutive game, Benino and Victor Rask were on your first power play with Kaprizov, Spurgeon and Fiala and Benino. I love, like, I love what he brings, of course. but he's been moved to wing and I don't really get that. And your first power play had those two guys, Kevin Fiala like I, I would believe that Everson and Garen and everybody else knows that if there's one guy that this is not fair to, and it's just not fair to him, it's Fiala. Yeah, it's it's. it's and we've gone back and forth about this. Yeah, so. it's a shame. Um, that again, getting someone like Iafalo or Strom expedites that process. It it, it helps you. I'd be down for the that. Middle. Then I it helps you unlock Kevin Fiala. I'm fine with Eck as who he is, but you need someone else. You need someone someone else in Strom, and then. Let's just, I mean, theoretically speaking, let's say they get I Fowler Strom. And then you have Eck going into next year. God willing, Rossi's back here in a healthy. Yeah. So now, now all of a sudden, in literally a, a four or five months plan, I'm not saying you have solved the Rubik's Cube that is the center position for this team that they've been looking for, right. but you feel a hell of a lot better going into the season and going into a game and a, and a regular season playoffs with those three guys down the middle as your one, two, three centers. Um, you can't keep... Fiala can only do so much. Last year, before the pause, when he was playing with his head on fire, mm-hmm. that was his absolute peak ceiling, and it obviously wasn't sustainable. You knew he wasn't going to be that player like he was lighting it up over those six weeks um, before the pause. But um, he needs a little bit more help to get him to the next level, and he can't. And he's being dragged down with guys from he, Victor Rask. It's not fair. He can't get. He cannot get himself the puck. I mean, it's just that simple, right? Like he can't pass to himself, and he needs somebody. But yeah, I, I, the Rask thing. The Rask thing to me is just a little bit maddening to watch. 
because it's just so clear who he is. And that doesn't mean, I mean, he is who he is. I I, I don't even blame him. Um, But he had that nice stretch with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And it was basically the two wings did the majority of the work. And Rask made some nice plays and scored a couple goals. But you knew that was going to end. And it's done now. It's done now. The other thing that you've discussed, too, and I was really surprised they didn't do it in the third period and they still scored three goals, was I thought down 4-1 to last night going in the third that we might see Fiala and Kaprizov on the same line. Yep. And they still scored. So, and, you know, they, they got the goal from... Kevin, with what, 35 seconds left in the game, six on four because they had a power play and Cam Talbot was pulled. Uh, but I did think that at some, I do think at some point in time, it does make some sense to go to that line to at least give both those guys a chance to thrive. Because you know what? Greenway works real hard and I like him. Okay. But if we're talking about going basically putting your foot to the floor with the gas pedal, uh, it would be interesting to see a sustained third period with 22 and 97 playing together for a good portion, if not the whole thing. Yeah. I at, at that point, that's where you have to go with the old school Colorado method before Colorado got good two years ago. They just said, we have one line, stop it. And I'm not saying that Ek Kaprizov Fiala is the same as, you know, Landeskog, Ratton, and McKinnon. There is, that is still, there's a, a step, if not maybe two still behind that. But I think you have to entertain that idea. I think you absolutely if, if if you if you are truly want to go speed and want to go with them, yep. you got to entertain it. Um, it's going to cause you fits. There's going to be maybe some defensive miscues there. I think Fiala's turned into a better defensive player than we than we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I think Kaprizov's a solid two way player, but I think the lines would be just fine, especially if you've got Felino back and Zach Parise is coming back here soon. Even though he's been a shell of himself, you still feel fine with him as a back end guy. Zuccarello's coming back. Zuccarello's see, like I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, two games, so. I, I think you absolutely have to entertain the idea of going an all-young line of Ek, Fiala, Kaprizov. You got to entertain it. Foligno is missed. He is missed a lot. I like him a lot, and I knew he, he was important. I think I underestimated how important he potentially was. He is, his presence on the ice, what he brings from a, a work standpoint, he can score some goals, not a ton of goals. He is really missed. In, in fact, I would say if you take the three wingers who were out last night, three to three to one. Okay, Dex, Parisi is three. I don't think he's missed that much. I really don't. Yeah. Like he just is who he, he is now, and he still works hard. Uh, but I don't feel like he's a heart and soul guy. Um, but the amazing thing is, I think it's pretty close. Zuccarello, when he's playing well, brings a lot. And he can really pass, and, and he's had a lot more impressive games, I think, in 2021 th- than he did in 2020-21. But Fel- it's darn near, it's close, because what Felino brings on that Eck line and what he can do in front, and just from, a, just from a, a standpoint, I feel, of an importance on the bench, that guy has proven to be a really good player. Yeah, he's damn good. He his his presence in the room, and he had a real rough, you know, first season with the Wild. Um, yeah, he wasn't. It yeah, did, that's did not go very well. He had a he had a nice little end of that last season in Buffalo, and oh, there might be something here to his game from an offensive standpoint. I mean, no, um, he he is who he is. He's a bottom six guy, but he's an integral part of the room. You see that, um, and he's missed. Yeah, he's definitely missed too on the ice as well. I want to see him get back with um with with Jordan Greenway and cause some hell. All right, before we're done here, let's talk about. 
Cam Talbot, especially in the back-to-back games against the uh, Golden Knights, because these were the type of goaltending performances that for the last, what, two years we have pined for. The uh, game last Thursday where the Wild won and probably had no business coming away with a win. That game, and then he didn't have to have as good a game on Saturday, but he still had a really good game. And then four goals last night, and it could have been 10. Um, I have to admit, I'm pleasantly surprised. We all knew that he was going to be an improvement on what they got goaltending-wise from Dubnik and Stalock because you and I could have been an improvement. But what Cam Talbot has done in this last stretch is damn impressive. Yep. And and I will say this. I don't think you're beating Colorado in a playoff series, but if you get the Golden Knights and you get the performances that you got from Talbot against them in those two games, you've got a chance there, and that starts in one place, and that's goal. Yep, that is no, that, that, that's been a godsend for him. And, you know, he had such a weird start to the year where he got, he got off to a really nice start injuries and then COVID kind of delayed things. Capo started playing well also, you know, forced the hand of him not being able to play as much. But right now he is your number one goalie. Um, it, it's pretty it's pretty obvious that he is your number one guy. And, and that's good. I'm glad that, that he's been able to fortify that. He's on a three-year contract. I still like the future of Capo Kakinen too. I was going to say, I, who, so who do you protect in the expansion draft now? Uh, I probably, I still protect Capo. I agree with you. He's the younger guy. It's just I And the contract, and I think they'd take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, they would. So I, I think you obviously have to expose. I bank on they wouldn't take Cam because of the contract. Yep, I don't think they would either. Um, but I can see them if they, I could see them. It, it, they're going to lose someone important. The Wild are just going to lose someone important. It could be Greenway. It could be Talbot. It could be someone that you don't want to see them go with. But they're going to lose someone important. That's that's obvious. Since when did expansion teams expect to be good? That's my question. Yeah, I get it. I understand. Well, they pay a lot to get in yeah. the league. But my God, you're supposed to suck. And you're supposed to suck for five years. I don't. I, I like it. I like that they're good right away. I truly like it. Final thoughts? Uh, you know, I just I, Billy, if if we don't talk between, I think we'll obviously talk. Oh, between, we'll do a we'll show before show. the trade deadline. But uh, I want I want to live react to something here. I want to live react. To I something. say we go live deadline day next Monday. Yeah, probably a good idea at some point in time. Uh, who who do you start in goal in game two against the Avs Wednesday night at the X? Uh, I give I give Capo a look. Uh, he hasn't played in a while, right? I mean, uh, hasn't it been Talbot the last two starts? He played the yes, he played the no last three starts. He played uh, so, he played the loss to the Sharks, and then it was Talbot in Vegas, Talbot in Vegas, Talbot uh, Monday night against Colorado. Yeah, no, give give Capo the start, and also if it's Talbot again, I wouldn't be like destroyed or anything. But I do think it it's also part of this rest system that they have in place here, where you can start your backup and you don't have to worry about it's running. Baldelli, man. Rocco Baldelli yeah, in charge of the wild. There's been a disturbance in the kitchen and the ice, too, I guess. All right, Dex, it's all yours. Pass shoot score. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.